Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In both of our passages today, from Jeremiah and from the Gospel of Luke, there is some divine lamenting going on. There's mourning and sadness over loss and over the state of current affairs. In Jeremiah, God's people have endured three invasions by the military and world giant Babylon, resulting in the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, the very center of their life and worship, resulting in the death and exile of thousands of God's people Israel. And the people of God, the prophet Jeremiah being one, lament and wrestle with these events, wondering can they still trust God who would allow such suffering. There are prophets among God's people who are not speaking God's words of truth and hope, but instead, as the text says, are speaking their own dreams, something coming from their own hearts and minds not from God's. And the result is they are leading God's people astray with their empty truth, their promotion of the status quo. They're telling the people what they want to hear. They're speaking for their own ease and comfort, their own acceptability and popularity. And God's heart is breaking, for the people are being led astray. Their loyalty is gone. And God asks, what has straw in common with wheat? And God begs the people to consider and to realize, straw is but the leftovers of the grain. After the wheat or other grain has been harvested and the rest of the plant dies, the dry, hollow stems and stalks, called straw, are what's left over void of nutrients and mostly used for bedding for animals in stables, not used for their food, although goats eat it, but they'll eat anything, whether it's food or not. So these false prophets have chosen straw-like words that are dry, they're empty lies, and the people have been lured in because they're easy. They're easy to hear. And they start feeding on them. Meanwhile, the choice grain of the nutritious wheat, the words of God's true prophets, like Jeremiah, are being cast aside. And the result is division. Division between what's true and what's false. The people trying to adhere to God's truth are going astray easily because of what's false all around them. And they're growing complacent in their faith dull in their compassion for others. They're lacking apathy and no longer working so hard for God's peace and love and justice and supporting the marginalized. And in the Gospel of Luke, the divine lament goes on. Jesus laments that his followers still don't seem to get it. They've not embraced God's truth that he came to show and tell. And Jesus points out that they are wise people. They're intelligent. They can read the skies. 
They learn to predict the weather and to use that for their benefit. Like farmers today who watch the forecast to plant and harvest before the rains come or in between rains to ensure optimal crops or to take shelter when storms are coming, to take precautions for themselves and their property. But all the wisdom and knowledge does not transfer with regard to what they have experienced in Jesus. They have seen his miraculous signs. They've witnessed his healings and those carried out by his disciples. They've experienced the stir of God's spirit in their hearts, in Jesus' presence. When Jesus proclaims God's powerful truth of love and justice and forgiveness for all people, they feel it, but many choose to ignore it. And they choose not to follow, to not believe. They discount these divine experiences and realities. They don't want to change. And Jesus bears witness for us all to the result. Where there should be peace, there is division. Where there should be love, there is growing hatred. Where there should be mutual forbearing and accepting and inclusion, there is disrespect, disregard, and exclusion. Wherever God's truth, that is God's word in Jesus, is rejected, the story shows us division takes place of any potential peace. And Jesus calls what he has seen division among family members, division among neighbors, communities, governments, nations against nations. There's division among the people who have chosen straw over those who have chosen God's message of truth, the wheat that Jesus brings. So God is asking in both of these passages, asking us, God's human family, to consider what has straw in common with wheat? To ask if we've been led astray into disordered attachments by false prophets today. Where has God's truth been forsaken or denied? Or where do we see or experience the resulting division and lack of peace? Megan Phelps Roper tells her story of living the essence of these very questions. Megan is the granddaughter of Fred Phelps. Fred Phelps founded Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas in 1955. Many of you likely have heard of Westboro and maybe have encountered them at public events in your life. The church is widely known for its use of inflammatory hate speech, especially against the LGBTQ plus community, Jews, Muslims, Catholics, and many Protestants, atheists, U.S. soldiers, politicians, America in general. Basically, anyone who's not a member of Westboro, which in 2011 had about 40 members, mostly family, anyone not adhering to their particular interpretation of scripture were being damned to hell, according to their understanding. So they're well known for protesting at funerals and events while carrying signs that read, God hates 
and fill in the blank with any given category. Megan Phelps Roper, the granddaughter of Fred Phelps, participated in her first protest with her family when she was a self-described blue-eyed, chubby-cheeked five-year-old. Her mom made her leave her dolls in the minivan, and in their place she clutched a sign that she could not even read yet, which would be the first of many signs she would hold and wave for the next 20 years pronouncing God's judgment on this group or the worthiness of death on another group or that God hated everyone but them. She shares her story in a TED Talk. She shared that her life was framed as an epic spiritual battle between good and evil. And the good was her family and her church and its members and the evil was everyone else. So the Westboro Church was constantly at odds with the world, which served to reinforce their otherness and created deep division between them and the rest of society. And one Bible verse that influenced them strongly and drove them to their nationwide protesting said, make a difference between the unclean and the clean. And that's just what they did choosing to discern who was the unclean, everyone else. And they spent their whole lives focused on this work. Megan shares that like her family, she believed that what she was taught was true. With all her heart, she believed it. She believed it to be God's truth for her. But it was the dreams of false prophets. It was empty like straw. It was not life-giving like God's ultimate truth. When Megan was 25, she took her zeal to the world of social media, to the Twitter platform, which led to a transforming experience for her. On Twitter, she encountered the same scorn and hatred from the opponents that she would encounter on the sidewalks. But to their rage on Twitter... She would routinely reply with relative calm, consistently quoting Bible verses, using pop culture references, and concluding with smiley faces. And she experienced something interesting, that this served to disarm and sometimes confuse her opponents. They were caught off guard by the lack of rage that did not come back to them. And she experienced that real conversation ensued. She said it was civil, filled with genuine curiosity on both sides as to how the other had come to believe such outrageous conclusions. She began to have relationships with these fellow Twitterers, and some would even visit her on the picket line. One in particular, a Jewish man named David, who runs a blog called Julicious, came to visit her on a picket line, bringing her a Middle Eastern dessert from Jerusalem where he lived. And for him, she had a gift of kosher chocolate in one hand while holding a sign that read, God hates Jews, in the other. But in that moment, there was a further blurring 
of the line between friend and foe. And they began to see each other as fellow humans. Because of the genuine curiosity on both of their parts, David and other friends on Twitter began to see the humanity in one another. And it changed the way they spoke to each other. Her Twitter friends took time to learn Westboro's doctrine. And they would find all kinds of inconsistencies, which they would bring to Megan. In scripture, they said to her, God teaches to love our neighbor. And Megan heard that and had an awakening and wondered how could she and her fellow church members claim to love their neighbor while at the same time praying for God to destroy them. The choicest of wheat, which is truth that leads to loving, the deadness of straw, the untruth that leads to hating. This dichotomy was becoming very clear to Megan. I wonder how you relate to this story. For many of us, it may be an extreme story, an extreme example, and maybe something we've never come close to experiencing. But we may have, or even do today, experience our own divisions in body, mind, or spirit. Maybe between us and what we are sure is God's single truth and those who oppose our truth and oppose us personally. It may be overt division where we're not speaking with those we love or we just don't talk about the elephant in the room, keeping the division more underground in order to keep the peace. Our passage today has another metaphor I want to bring in about fire. To God's lament about false prophets and their lies and to the divisions they cause in God's human family where hatred becomes the driving force, where humankind has chosen straw over wheat, God wishes to bring divine fire. And friends, not a fire to destroy humanity or any part of creation out of anger, but a fire to refine and transform. Of this fire, Jesuit priest and pastor Father Matthew Vaugh writes, Heat is what gets things moving. It enables solid, fixed molecules to become fluid again. It enables them to take on different forms. Jesus seeks to cast a fire in our hearts, to melt away our attachments to lesser gods, to lesser truths, to any straw, to the things that we cling to that freeze us in place. And Jesus hopes this fire will get our hearts moving again, to create space for God's love to enter in more boldly, to melt our hearts with compassion and understanding for all others, and to open the eyes of our hearts to see humanity, to God indwelling you and me and everyone we meet near or far. It's a fire that will bring unity where there's division, and peace where there's discord, and love where there's hate, and inclusion where there's exclusion. 
Megan Phelps Roper writes, the care shown to her from her opponents on Twitter became evidence that the people on the other side of her stance were not demons. They were not unclean, as she had been taught to believe. In her words, these realizations were life-altering. Once I saw that we were not the ultimate arbiters of divine truth, but flawed human beings, I couldn't pretend otherwise. I could not justify our actions, especially our cruel practice of protesting funerals and celebrating human tragedy. These shifts in my perspective contributed to a larger erosion of trust in my church, and eventually it made, me impos- made it impossible for me to stay. And Megan decided to leave Westboro Baptist with great fear and with great sorrow because she knew her family would never speak to her again. The division between her family, her church, and the world, created by hatred, by straw posing as true food. Jesus says, peace I give you, not as the world gives. It's a different kind of peace, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus testifies to the world's peace that it's fragile, like straw. It cannot sustain without wheat, without God's truth. When Megan said goodbye to Westboro and to the life as she knew it and to her family, she said goodbye to hating others and hello to loving humanity in all our complexity and frailty and faults. In the wake of her leaving, she went to visit her Jewish friend David, whom she met on Twitter, and his family invited her and her sister, who left with her, into their home in California to spend some time, some days. David's father is a rabbi whom at one time she defamed with hate speech. And there she was, in their home, warmly welcomed nourished with loving friendship and good food and pure acceptance. God's refining fire at work on both sides, melting any suspicion in their hearts, growing their love and respect for one another. What Megan learns and passes on for the rest of us, she calls good news and bad news. The good news is it's simple. The bad news is, it's hard. What she learned is this, don't assume bad intent in the other. We all believe we may have the corner on ultimate truth. She did. But she found out she was wrong. And that her truth was not only divisive, but toxic. And she said, get curious. Ask questions of the other. And listen. The other will know they are truly heard, and they will feel your trust and your acceptance. Our humanity grows when we get curious. The good news of Jesus Christ is also simple, but hard. But friends, our hope is all over the gospel, all over scripture. God's refining fire is always at work, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. 
and the new life that Megan knows and is now learning to live into, God is at work in us and those that we believe are wrong. We may be able to say, you may be right to those we oppose and see what happens. That division gives way to bridges of friendship and understanding. And friends, we can trust God with other people and with the outcomes. We can, when we do that, peace has a chance to come in and civility. We won't get very far by our own power to bring peace where there's division. God created us essentially powerless without the power of God flowing in us. And may we remember that every breath we take is God's power. When we open our minds and hearts to it, we begin to see it and experience it in new ways. Beyond our wildest dreams, there's, there's new relationships forged. And in John 14, Jesus gives this promise. That I tell you the truth, you will do greater things than I have done. Greater things than you have seen God do through me. The healing, the forgiving, the reconciling, not by your power, but by God's power moving within you. Friends, this is a bold and beautiful message, and may it give us hope today that God is not done, and we are God's instruments. Thanks be to God. Amen. God accepts us just as we are, and God calls us as we are to contribute whatever we can so that we can live better together. And so whatever your gift may be, and whether you are bringing it in something that you take out of your wallet or something you release from your heart and make a commitment to God and to this community, this is a time for you to prayerfully consider those things. Your morning offerings will now be received by our ushers and by your God.